Well, welcome everyone to this podcast on public cloud for the enterprise. We've got a special guest today, Andy Mann, Vice President, Strategic Solutions at CA Technologies. And he's also got a wealth of great knowledge in cloud, data center, IT management, operations, and some other areas of IT. And he's also active on Twitter, does quite a bit of blogging. So welcome, Andy. Hey, Paul. Thanks very much. Pleasure to be here. With that, with that sort of uh, roundup, it sounds like I do quite a lot of work. Huh? Yeah, it sure sounds that way. Um, <laughs> Good planning, huh? <laughs> Definitely. Well, Andy, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing at CA Technologies these days? Sure. I've got a really exciting role. I really enjoy it. Um, I'm VP of Strategic Solutions. Now, what that actually means is that I look at our customers' strategy. So, you know, and the big picture stuff. You know, you mentioned some of it. You know, cloud things like big data, DevOps, uh, virtualization, automation, but also it's sort of business strategies around innovation and new product delivery and this sort of thing. So I look at those strategic needs within our customers, and then I try and figure out what CA technologies can do to help them out. What sort of solutions we can provide to them. Um, I spend a lot of my time going out and talking with customers, uh, having you know, private meetings and public meetings, talking in, in conferences and so forth, uh, to learn more about what's happening in the market, what's happening with our customers, but also to tell the market a little bit about what sort of strategic solutions we're creating as well. Okay, great. Well, that's super that you get a, a chance to talk to many enterprise customers, it sounds like. Um, and with that, why don't we go ahead and just jump into the, the first couple questions here. I'll just ask you some really open-ended questions, take it where you like, and then we can kind of bat it back and forth a bit. Yeah. The first one is, what do you think is working well with enterprise cloud adoption? Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, start off with SaaS, you know, software as a service, definitely. Um, most of my customers, even the ones who say to me, oh, I'm not really using cloud, uh, are probably using SaaS, and most of them are in one way, shape, or form. Whether it's you know for accounting or you know customer relationship management, uh, Salesforce management, stuff like that. Um, I think so. I think SaaS is working pretty well. Enterprise class infrastructure as a service as well is doing pretty well. We've got a lot of customers doing that. Um, you know, using some of the service providers we work with, people like BioWest or CenturyLink or Fujitsu or Logicalis. You're providing the sort of infrastructure as a service that has the additional features that enterprises really need. Things like backups and SLAs and even some level of, of guarantees and indemnities and stuff like that. Um, that's working pretty well, I think. Um, lots of people still trying it as well. It's still quite low adoption, I think. We're, we're still looking at the mostly this low-hanging fruit, um, you know, especially when we talk about infrastructure as a service, you know, the, the initial web design, web applications, web servers, that sort of thing. You know, and I think everyone's really sort of still learning, trying to figure out where their head's at, what they can do, what they can't do, what the finance and compliance and security departments will let them do, what the business needs them to do. Um, you know, so I think a lot of things are working well, but it's such early days. Yeah. And well, I, I liked how you actually kind of expanded it out to software as a service as well. Um, you know, I wasn't initially even thinking about that. I was thinking infrastructure as a service, but yeah, software as a service, that's a great one. Lots of enterprises um, making a lot of good use of that, especially with salesforce.com and, and a few others. Yeah. And then within the infrastructure as a service, you sort of talked about enterprise class clouds. Uh, I'm glad you, you brought that up because it does seem that there's sort of a distinction. What, what do you see as a distinction between, I, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, uh, commodity clouds versus enterprise clouds, or how would you describe those, those differences? 
Yeah, I actually do use the term commodity cloud. I think that's an excellent term. Um, and you look at people like Amazon, for example. You know, they're the big, they're the 600 pound gorilla in the room. Everyone wants to talk about them. Um, and I don't see a lot of our enterprise customers going, flocking to Amazon. They're using it sort of test and dev style for non-mission critical stuff, for, uh, you know, initial testing, initial development, but not supporting production data over there, certainly not running production apps, you know. And this is, I'm talking about my customer base specifically, so sort of Fortune 1000 style companies. And I know there's a lot of significant companies that are running web apps in Amazon. Uh, and you look at poster children like uh, maybe Netflix or Zynga and stuff like that. But I would argue that they're a different kind of enterprise at the very least, you know, focused on one or two applications. Whereas, you know, I work with banks and insurance companies who might have 2,000, 3,000 applications. Um, and so I find the commodity cloud is not giving those sorts of, I mean, SLAs to start with. The sort of SLAs in the commodity cloud tend to be fairly uh, low. And the the way they're measured tends to be fairly um in a way that doesn't really deliver a very high level of service necessarily. And any penalties that are there are sort of a little bit toothless. Whereas with some of the enterprise-grade clouds, the people who offer service-level agreements, they offer uh, indemnities, they offer backup and recovery. I mean, you think about Amazon, for example, you accidentally turn off a server and everything's gone. Um, that's not what the way enterprises operate. They have backups running all the time. They can restore all the time. These sorts of things are really important to my enterprise customers. And then there's the whole compliance aspect, you know, being certified for DOD, being certified for, for records management, being certified for, you know, at various levels. Um, these are the sorts of enterprise requirements that I don't see in a lot of the, in a lot, if not most of the commodity cloud vendors, but they, it's starting to become a more sort of marketable thing for the smaller vendors to provide these enterprise class features. And so I think that's really becoming a differentiator. It's really interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. It's um, nice to hear someone talking about this uh, enterprise perspective. I often hear people in the industry sort of suggesting or sometimes saying outright that, you know, it's commodity cloud or nothing. In other words, this enterprise class clouds or enterprise use cases aren't true cloud. Yeah, well, you've got to be pragmatic about it, right? I mean, it's not really necessarily just my viewpoint. It's what my customers are actually doing. Right. Um, they're, you know, my customers, like I said, the Fortune 1000, they're fundamentally rejecting these commodity cloud environments in favor of, well, private cloud, obviously, but in the public cloud environment, Things like SaaS are, I think, very different. Um, but when it comes to infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, these sorts of things are what my enterprise customers really care about. Uh, and I, I still get enterprise customers who are saying, no, we're not going to the public cloud at all. It's not going to happen. Now, I'm not sure that that holds in the long run, but that's their attitude right now in a lot of cases because they just don't feel like they've got what they need out of an infrastructure environment by using public cloud, by using commodity cloud. Well, you've already touched on a few things that perhaps are not working so well in public cloud environments. But again, I'll go ahead and ask you the open-ended question. What what do you think is not working too well? Uh, yes, well, to start with, interestingly enough, platform as a service does not seem to be taking the the, the imagination of my customer base. They, they're much more interested in sort of building their own platform and instantiating those on infrastructure as a service. I think the, the platform as a service, part of the issue there is I think the, the idea that a platform 
be a commodity. And most of the developers that I work with and the CIOs that talk to me about their development programs, um, they've got a bunch of different internal requirements for their development platforms, and no one provider sort of gives that gives them what they need. And so they're essentially building their own platform as a service, but standing up or standing that up on an infrastructure as a service provider. So I, I do wonder about the longevity of platform as a service. That's theoretically meant to be one of the the big explosive opportunities in cloud, and yet I'm not really seeing a lot of uptake amongst my customers on that. The other area I think which is <clears throat> not working really well is the adoption of public cloud for mission critical apps. Now, you know, we do see, certainly there's cost issues involved there. Um, the idea of moving your existing mission critical app to the cloud, it's sort of hard to find payback in a lot of cases. You know, when you've got an application that's working pretty well on internal infrastructure, it's contributing to your business, it's contributing value, your employees and staff know how to run it, they know how to monitor it, they know how to maximize and optimize it, then where's the payback to moving that into a public cloud for most of my customers, that doesn't really exist. And they're also just afraid to touch their mission-critical stuff for fear of you know, um, uh, the, the, the generic loss of control, which may or may not be real. I mean, when you think about public cloud, you can get and maintain control, but uh, there's a lot of concern and fear about that. Also, compliance, again, you can be compliant in the cloud. Security as well, you can definitely be secure in the cloud, perhaps more secure. But there's very significant concerns among my customers about moving mission-critical uh, data especially, so customer data, financial data, this sort of stuff, into the public cloud, especially when it comes to finance, healthcare, and government. These, these are, or, or, or sorts of organizations obviously have a very close focus on customer privacy and, and data loss prevention and these sorts of things. And so that's been, I think, a bit of a concern. So, you know, when, when you think about what's not working so well, I think it's the yeah, platform as a service to start with, but also this all of the things that surround moving mission-critical apps into a public cloud is really causing a lot of concern for my customers. And on the platform as a service, kind of a quick follow-up question, I guess. Do you see more infrastructure as a service, public clouds, morphing a bit or adding some platform services. I guess there's many different ways to define a platform as a service. I mean, I hate, hate to go down the old, you know, definition <laughs> route or whatever, but you know, sometimes um, there is confusion out there as to who thinks platform as a service is what, but I guess the real question is, do you see infrastructure as a service morphing at all towards that direction? You know, I actually do. And we see this, um, you know, I talked earlier on about the idea of an enterprise class infrastructure as a service. Now, if you get, uh, basic compute environment, and you add to that things like management tools, management agents, service level reporting, backup and recovery. You know, maybe you, you plug in some security agents for you know single sign-on or something like that. Then you're starting to get more platform-like, and then you also well, I'm also seeing some of the providers being starting to provide some of the platform services as optional add-ons, and you really blur the line when you start thinking about Google, for example, and the sort of the, the capabilities that Google provides, and Amazon as well for that matter. You know, is Amazon uh, pure infrastructure as a service play? Well, probably not anymore. I mean, there's a lot of, of app dev kind of uh, features in both Google and Amazon. 
So I, yeah, it's an interesting point. Where do, where do you draw the line? I know we've we've got a lot of definitions and we've been through all that, but I think you're right. There there is a an area of that's very very grey between infrastructure and platform. Well, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the future, which actually leads us to the final question. What is your outlook on public cloud services for the enterprise in the future? Everyone's going to be using them. And I say that lightly, but I also say that seriously. Um, it's Again, it's about this pragmatic approach, which I think is really important. And, and we, we do hear people bleating on about how public cloud is true cloud and everything else is just an imposter and so forth. We get into these religious wars and you know, you've got zealots, and frankly, zealots on both sides. And you do have people who are very, very reticent to adopt public cloud. Now, you know, I've described some of my customers who have said to me, straight to my face, we will never use public cloud services. Now, what I think ultimately we look at is the hybrid of IT. There's going to continue, I think, to be a a strong place in the enterprise for on-premise and even traditional on-premise IT. Um, You know, the existing server-based, and even in some cases physical server, not even virtual server, environments that are currently running, delivering value, doing the business. There's no reason to throw those away, and maybe eventually they atrophy, but in my experience, systems don't actually tend to get removed and released entirely. We see that in the mainframe, right? I mean, mainframe computing still goes strong. I saw, we've done some research at CA Technologies just recently that sort of points to the mainframe being a locus of large enterprise cloud and innovation, which is sort of uh, antithetical to how a lot of people think of mainframes. They think it's this old dinosaur which we're just waiting to turn it off. Uh, but that's not even happening. I think the internal environment is going to continue to have the existing legacy application environment. It's going to have private cloud environments. Absolutely, we're seeing that as a significant uptake. But I think most enterprises are going to adopt public cloud in some way, shape, or form. It's interesting to see, for example, I mentioned Zynga earlier on, and um, we actually interviewed the CIO at Zynga for our Smart Enterprise magazine, which is, I think you can find that at smartenterpriseexchange.com. And you know they use public cloud now for the initial run of their application until they have a handle on what sort of capacity and load they need to be able to sustain, and then when that levels out, they bring it back in-house. This is the hybrid IT that I think public cloud is going to form the basis of going forward, this mixture of public and private cloud plus legacy systems, including big iron, you know, mainframe and, and large server environments. It's We don't throw anything away in IT. Cloud is such a fantastic addition, but I do not see it really replacing that much. That's great. I really love that perspective. And you've, you've illustrated it quite well, even going back to the, the mainframe, which, you know, it's got uh, many decades of history behind us. Maybe you could say a little bit more about kind of the, the mainframe being a locus of cloud activity. That's um, s- something I'm less familiar with. Yeah, it's really interesting what I'm seeing in some of my clients at the moment. Now, uh, especially with larger organizations, I'm talking government, finance, insurance, uh, logistics, these sorts of people who are fundamentally dependent on the mainframe. They might have you know, five, six, eight mainframes, and you know, that's a lot of our customers. Now, they've got a huge amount of investment in that, but they've also got a huge amount of data in that platform. Plus, the mainframe platform is phenomenal at high-volume transaction processing. 
Now, when you're talking about web-based applications, for example, and the ability to work with huge customer bases, the mainframe is really a, a, a very obvious choice, and perhaps in some cases the only choice for that really high volume of throughput of transaction throughput. Now, if you wanted to create an application that intersects with your massive customer base, then where are you going to create it? Where are you going to get the data from? Where are you going to process it? And you look at some of the new boxes that IBM is putting out that have not only the old Z-series architecture on them, but also the X86 architectures, and in some cases the power series as well. So you've got a single large box that is connected to massive storage that can provide extreme throughput of transactions with an intersection of mainframe and distributed systems and commodity servers, then a lot that means a lot of my customers are saying to me that that's going to be the center of their cloud strategy, which I think is actually really interesting. You can still have external cloud, public cloud environments. You can still have your existing legacy environments plus your, your commodity cloud, whether internal or external, running on you know, x86, whether it's VMware, whether it's Zen, whether it's uh, KVM or what have you, but you've got the ability to leverage your existing investment in that mainframe, in the data that you have connected to that mainframe, and we start thinking about big data applications there especially, and you can do it at a huge volume and scale, which does actually, you know, despite the initial capital cost of a mainframe, actually works out to be operationally a very good return on investment. So it's interesting, <clears throat> and I'm not saying that everyone is going to do this, no one, and I don't think anyone's going to go out and buy a mainframe just to build a cloud, although you know, who knows, that might happen. Um, but the customers of mine who have already invested in the mainframe, they're not dumping. In fact, most of them are actually increasing their use of cloud, uh, of mainframe, and part of that is going to go to this sort of centralized locus of, of cloud computing. Well, that's really interesting. And certainly the mainframe hasn't gone away. And so, uh, as you say, nothing seems to really ever go away in the enterprise IT organization. So this is going to be really extremely interesting, I think, to see how the mainframe does play out in this cloud world that we're increasingly in. Well, Andy, I really appreciate your taking the time to spend with us today. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, we're done already. Paul, that was yeah, it's absolutely a pleasure. The time flew by. I really enjoyed talking to you again. Yeah, definitely. And for anyone listening that's interested in cloud computing, be sure to follow Andy on Twitter. His handle is at Andy Mann. That's A-N-D-I-M-A-N-N. And you can also find his blog at pleasediscuss.com slash Andy Mann. So thanks again, Andy, and we'll talk to you all later. Thanks, Paul. Absolute pleasure to talk to you soon. 